All right, college basketball fans. Timmy Hall, Evil Bald Colin here with you. It's on to the Sweet 16, buddy. How are you doing this week? Tim, it's on to the Sweet 16, and it's this yearly tradition I have once we make it to this weekend where it's time for the Cinderella's to say goodbye and go home because I want to see the best teams playing when it matters most. Oh, my God. You sound like a freaking communist when you say it that way. Get out of here, St. Peter's. Get out of my no, face. I mean, it's done fu- with you. It's fun, but when you're getting teams like Auburn knocked out and Kentucky, like I, I want to see the Kentucky Purdue matchup. That's all we were talking about. Even Kentucky Murray State, like you love Cinderella, but you only want Cinderella to stay around for so long until the clock strikes midnight. And sometimes they get a little bit of an extension on that time. I thought my San Francisco Dons were going to get it done. I didn't want to see Murray State going on to the next round. They had an opportunity there. Just Murray State kind of just pulled away. And that had to piss a lot of Kentucky basketball fans on. I'm talking Kentucky as the state, not just big blue fans. That Murray State held up their end of the bargain, and then Kentucky doesn't even advance to the game. The 215 goes the wrong way for you. Well, they must have been worrying too much to where they weren't focused on beating the team in front of them because the 15 seed pretty much dominated that game from beginning to end. All right, we've got so many thoughts about the NCAA tournament as we move on from the craziest amount of goodness that you're ever going to get in sports, not just basketball, that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for the first and second rounds, and we're on to the Sweet 16 as the lights get a little bit brighter. We change sights. We're on to the regionals, and there's a lot of coaching news out there in college basketball, too. This is episode 66 of Mad About Hoops. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He hit it just inside of half court. Lane's on the other wing. Oh! 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 oh. oh. Sent it in, Jerome! Oh. <laughs> College basketball. This is March Madness. Yes, it is. My goodness gracious, Colin, I'm a little bit sad. I wish every single weekend would be like the first and second rounds of the NCAA tournament. You know, I was talking to a buddy here at the station about that. Chops, right? Hi, I'm Chops. And I guess I do have to agree with him in a sense that that would be overload if we had that every single week. It's sad when it's gone. But that's I mean, what makes schedule, it special. The schedule is somewhat similar. It's just you're not having as many games. It just, nothing will feel the same. No, of course not. Because you're, you're not having that that first day, like, giddy feeling. You're now into the middle of it. And you have far less games, and you don't have you don't have the game starting at noon. So it is completely different. I well, mean, that's you, different. You look at Thursday, and our first game is going to tip off at 7.09. And, you know, they could... They could do a better job. I will I will hammer them for this. We could do a better job with staggering the Thursday Friday games. Well, they could have done a 16. better job at staggering the second round. Like the way that too. They, yeah. The first two uh, the two days of the second round, it seemed like they did like the first two games were at the same site. So you had almost like a 30 minute 45 minute gap between games and it just it felt ridiculous. Look, I I know like as we move on through the NCAA tournament, the TV revenue becomes bigger. You want to have more of those primetime matchups, but it's also still the NCAA tournament and we're having weekday basketball. You don't have to give me the noon tip off for the sweet 16s for Thursday and Friday, but 
to have all these great, they're all games we want to catch the majority of the second halves, right? If you can figure out a way where every basketball fan can pretty much soak in the entire final 20 minutes, that's okay if you have to make a choice for which team, you know, you're going to watch the full 40. But for instance, Gonzaga and Arkansas, one versus four starts at 709. And then Michigan Villanova starts at 729. That's only a 20 minute gap right there. And I the think they're catering. Be, yeah. They're catering a lot to the West Coast. It feels like. Is and that the, what it is? To and you? the way they build the it, three-hour time change. Well, I'm, I'm saying like if you're starting all, your first games at seven oh nine on the on the first day of the Sweet Sixteen, like it just kind of tells me like for some reason once you get to the better games, they're now pushing them further back as much as possible because obviously they, they don't want to stack them too much, but they don't want to have that much of a gap either. You know, I for one, I love the idea of breakfast sports. And I think there are a lot of Americans now that are jumping on that bandwagon. Colin, maybe you don't feel it yet, but as you continue to get older, once you get into those 30s, <laughs> and then when the 30s start to get closer to the 40s, it's not even that you want to. It's just that your body just gets you up earlier. I don't even like this. And then you, wh- wh- what time do your parents get up? Is it ridiculous? Well, I mean, if you're talking about the weekend or, or the week, Any day. the work week. Any I mean, day. I mean, work week, it's like... Six. Six. Yeah. Do they sleep in on the weekends, actually? Your mom and dad? Uh, seven. Seven? Seven, seven, thirty. Pretty good. Like, well, my dad, he's just a 5 a.m. guy, and it doesn't matter if there's anything to do or not. It's just that he's wired that way. So the breakfast sports thing, it's cool. And all the soccer fans, you for one, you are a big European soccer fan, so you should know a little bit about this going to one of your favorite pubs that has a supporters group. If you're a Man City or a Man United fan, you can go to places and there's Beers being had and there's sports being consumed. And that's, I think that's kind of cool. And I actually lived in mountain time for a little bit. So I enjoy time for sports. It is. It's not three hours difference. It's two hours difference. It's a beautiful little sweet spot. So what we have Monday night football back when it used to be the nine o'clock kick 7 p.m. You know, 7 p.m. And you're done by 10 and you can touch some things up, finish up some homework. Or if you're still in school and get ready or get ready for the work week. But yeah, I, I never really thought about the 9 a.m. tips on the West Coast for the first and second rounds for the Thursday, Friday. That's super early. We think of it at noon, 12.30, 12.15. It's just after 9 a.m. Well, for no, those West yeah, Coasters. I, I got that uh, wide awakening moment when I went out to California this past uh, early in this year. And I'm out there for a little bit of the NFL season and games are starting at 10 a.m. there and I'm just kind of like it was a shock to the system college bowl games were starting at 9 a.m. like it was just it was hard to adjust to that but no it was definitely great it's funny you know that's why you know the one o'clock four o'clock games that they're always still just kicking at one o'clock to us we know those as the late window for them that's just game time you know, <laughs> for them out West, that's just when you play, right? You're never going to play at 10 a.m. on the West Coast. You just always play at one local time. And that's always our late game. One our, our or double, maybe double. like what? Four thirty, five thirty. Four. Yeah, it's either it's either. Uh, yeah, you're Prime right. Time, I think, would be like five. They kick though. it back 15 minutes now for NFL games for that second one. So for us, it's usually what? Four oh five, four fifteen or four thirty five. They usually put like the national game of the week in that uh, latest time slot. But uh, there's a lot of breakdowns about the timing of these tip-offs, so we've gone through that. But the tournament, anyway, first and second round, 
some of your favorite memories from it, some of the games that went down to the wire. I, for one, think about the last one being Arizona and TCU. What a great ending that just sort of put both rounds in a time capsule and put the stamp of approval on what March Madness is, what those rounds are all about with some absolute mayhem and TCU and Big Eddie just not having enough to advance. Yeah, I think this tournament's going to be a real eye-opener for people because we, we saw the 8-9 matchups this year. It's been pretty difficult to guess, and I think I went 2-2 two for two and two on them. I, I think I got Memphis and UNC correct, but I missed TCU and Creighton. But the I'm point, right the point that I you. think people yeah. are opening their eyes on is just how the, the small the gap is between the one seeds and those 8-9 teams because, quite honestly, it's getting smaller and smaller. We used to think that was an automatic win, the one seeds going to the, the uh, Sweet 16. That doesn't really feel like the case anymore. We've seen it in past years with uh, last year with Loyola Chicago taking down Illinois in the second round. Like these right. nine and that's seeds, a mid major, these, a high yeah, mid-major. these eight and nine seeds are getting much better, and they're giving these one seeds better games. We could have easily have lost three one seeds between we we already lost Baylor losing to North Carolina, and then Memphis and TCU gave incredible games to the likes of Arizona and Gonzaga, and even that Creighton. Kansas game was pretty close until late. Absolutely it was. And you know me being a Kansas guy, being a Jayhawk fan, how nervous I get. There are just far too many round of 32 exits for KU. And I I swear we'd have to go and look this up. But with Bill Self having 25 Big 12 championships, I think now between I think it's 16 regular season, nine conference tournament titles, they have to be a one seed almost every year. He's probably had 12 or 13 one seeds in his run but I there. Thought I saw the and stat. only three final fours. I thought they showed a stat post-game that Kansas has made the Sweet 16 in like the last five or six tournaments or something like that. Is it that good? Yeah, like Is they've actually good? been pretty consistent lately. Yeah, I think about the Joel Embiid team and what a fail that was when you've had guys like that, like the transcendent players, the guys that have turned out to be superstars. And remember when Wiggins had his year at KU, what a superstar he was. Num- again, number one overall pick in the draft. Very Everybody good. knew it, too, that whole entire season. And I think they bowed out to Stanford, I want to say, in the second round. Just, you know, outs like that, it's tough. And, and I know it is. You can say it. It's hard to do. The Baylor-UNC game, I mean, it's, it's North Carolina, you know, so they play with a lot of pride. And Hubert Davis, I think, has been finding himself. A lot of credit to Hubert Davis. We had some thoughts on him early on, even on this podcast, and that, that does turn out to be some bullshit. And we'll see how it goes, you know, four or five years down the line. But you got to like the job he's done. He's got you in the Sweet 16 in the first year. And he has them back to, you know, being proud about basketball and fulfilling their expectations. And I could not hate a program or the colors or the logo anymore, being a Kansas guy, for what UNC is. I like to say that Kansas basketball has provided North Carolina with everything that they are. There would not be any Carolina history if it were not for Kansas. So you're welcome <laughs> for having your program the way that it is. But to blow a 25 point lead for Manic to be ejected and then for RJ Davis, RJ Davis yeah. got fouled out like a minute or two later. He did. Yeah. I mean, but still, it shouldn't no, have mattered. It was, it was Caleb Love. It, Caleb, Caleb Love. Bluff, yes. It shouldn't have mattered to have that kind of lead. Baylor, we know, is missing a key player even though they're a one seed. So maybe they they should do a better job of looking at things like that when they seed the NCAA tournament. You can make a case that they could have been a two seed. Well, that was part of the thing is I think a lot of people analyze that when the bracket came out and Baylor announced it as such that Cryer was going to be like a day-to-day type of thing, which was not the case. He wasn't coming back. Cryer hadn't played since around, I 
I would say early in the year, like January early sometime. Early January, I think. Yeah, yeah, but he didn't play. But that was the thing. That's kind of this idea that coaches are doing. If they know their best player has been out and will possibly be out the tournament, they don't want to lose their seating because of that. So they will kind of keep the door open for them to play. I think it was similar with uh, Houston, although it didn't work out. But in the end, it's going to work out because they're in the Sweet 16. But they did that with Sasser. They said Marcus Sasser had a door open to play this postseason. And then after the seeding came out, uh, Calvin Sampson said, no, no, no he's yeah. not going to play. You know, I, a couple of the other games that really popped off the page to me that were just, that were crazy. I mean, Houston stomping Illinois late in yeah. a close game and then just straight flexing on them in the final six minutes or so. That did not feel like a 68-53 game, but the full 40 minutes count and Houston stormed off. I thought Notre Dame-Texas Tech was wild. Colin, yeah. Texas Tech beat Notre Dame without scoring baskets. They didn't score baskets. That just tells you how good their defense is, man. That just tells you how good the defense is. Absolute definition of a heartbreaker for fighting Irish fans. I had to look it back up. Texas Tech scored a bucket with about seven and a half minutes to play. They didn't score another bucket until a garbage dunk with 16 seconds to go in the ball game. Sounds like some drops. The foul line. Sounds like some drops we've seen around here a few times. Oh my God. Yeah. The Red Raiders simply could not score it, but Oral Roberts guy, Kevin O'Banner, had a good game. He scored it a little bit for them. I think he had 15 at a double-double. He was great. And, you know, Texas-Purdue, wild finish. Jaden Ivey doing nothing in the first half. Then he comes and chooses to hit the dagger three when they're only up by three with a minute 20 or so to go. He's sensational. You know, we talk about St. Peter's getting by Murray State, two uh, darlings right there in the NCAA tournament. How about... Miami and Jim Laranega storming past Auburn. I mean, that guy can coach. We know him from George Mason. So congrats yeah. to the U for finally being back. It's and just you know in what? Basketball. A lot of people called this and some really smart analysts that I follow called that Miami getting to the sweet 16. And it's something I'm going to change in my approach. Uh, two things I'm going to change in my approach. When I see a team that's physical like Houston, I didn't even think about them going to the sweet 16. I just kind of thought Illinois was going to get through there. But the way they play physically and how they could manage Kofi Coburn, I think that's how it played out. They were able to manage him in the post. Illinois couldn't make their outside shots for periods of time. That worked out. But what I'm thinking about with Miami's, their guard play is very good. They got Isaiah Wong, Cameron Mcgusty, really, really saw Charlie Moore, really good old guards. What did Auburn struggle with? They didn't have very strong guards, and their point guard play was pretty incons- inconsistent all year long, with, Charlie, especially with yeah. Wendell Green. Yeah. But Charlie Moore, though, Larry Nagy was calling. Guy. Did you see old the post-game guy. interview where he was calling him their Chris Paul? I mean, the dude almost had a triple-double in the game. He's, he's he very sensational. good. sensational. Yeah. But that's what I'm going to be looking for is teams that might be seated lower or just in general. When I'm analyzing matchups, I'm going to look at the guard play because that's what's dictating who's winning these games right now. Yeah, it was it was fun. You, we also got to stop and pause about the Coach K Izzo matchup too, where you had big versus wow. big yeah. in a second round game, and it was great. I mean, I, I thought that was cool. Coach K, you know, he's a guy. Clearly, a lot of people are gonna throw some stones at because he's so good, and he's he's a hot button coach because every time he opens his mouth, you've could got you the imagine if Michigan State out there. ended his career in Greenville? Yeah, <laughs> I mean. Uh, it was just a couple of possessions. Was it was there. It was going to take. It was there. It was right there. But Duke's players really stepped on the throat late in that basketball game. And you saw the emotion from Coach K at the podium afterwards. He was he was almost reduced to just a high school coach who was doing it for the love. And I still, 
I still think he does it for the love. You know, we can we know we're making eight, nine, ten million bucks a year, and you're a legend. And well, especially with it coming to an end. I mean, that's kind of yeah. how you have to view it's, it. It's human emotion. It, it's going to be there, so I can respect and, and appreciate some of that. But wild finish to see two Hall of Fame coaches going up against each other, and now Duke's going to see that defense for Texas Tech. I think even the Villanova Ohio State game that was some good fun. The Buckeyes did. Everything that they could do with how they're built. I think right they were just out skilled. They're just yeah. out. They just Villanova had the better horses, which you just got to tip your cat to, your cap to. Uh, yeah, just you got to build a team like that. I didn't leave that. I didn't like leave that. that game upset. I just kind of said, you know what? That's an older team with a, a fifth year senior, super senior, whatever you want to call him, guard and Colin Gillespie, mm. and some really good pieces around him with Justin Moore, Charlie Daniels. Filling, uh, Jermaine Samuels, it, it, such a very, very solid team. You can't be mad about it. So when we get to the Sweet 16, Gonzaga, Arkansas, Texas Tech, Duke, Arizona versus Houston, big. Number 11 seed, Michigan. Here they are sneaking in the tournament. Now Michigan with Eli Brooks when he plays that way and Hunter Dickinson when he can play that way and Diabate. They've got some horses. they got some guys. So it's certainly going to be an interesting matchup. Villanova keeping the Wolverines from winning a national championship just a few years ago. So they do, but there. I do believe they need Devonte Jones back for that game. If they're going to have any chance against, against those guards, well. I think they yeah. need him back and I think they need him playing well. I don't know what his injury update is. Yeah. With, uh, he's he's got to be like what he was in that last game of the regular season against Ohio state. Honestly, that's a, that's a good comparison. Yeah. He's got to be like that. Kansas Providence. That's going to be an interesting one. A lot of people had the Friars going out to South Dakota State, but they they got by that one. They destroyed Richmond. Iowa State, Big 12 team. Otzelberger, who looks like he's ready to just do squats and curls while he's out there coaching his team. He's got That's one team that's going to want to score points and one team that's going to want to defend the basket. I liked Tracy Wolfson, too, who's on the sideline. It was Cyclones and Hurricanes going to the Windy City. Cyclones and Hurricanes going to the Windy City that's to play in Chicago. Clever. So that's going to be good. We've got Purdue and St. Peter's. Purdue, do you think they're going to be the biggest point spread? They have to be, no, right? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, they have to be. I think it was 12 and a half the last time I saw it. And how about UCLA and Carolina? You talk about shades of blue, right? <laughs> you talk about college basketball colors. That's going to be some fun right there. But, hey, real quick. I think we should wrap up with doing, like, you know the Sweet 16, like, second chance thing that ESPN does with their bracket? I think we should take what we see here and analyze what we think we'll see once the weekend's the, over. The only thing that I'm going to change, because I've got Gonzaga and Arizona in my bracket, I'm going to keep it there. I think you know, I am, too. It's a one, two, three, four in that region, too. So I'm, I'm not going to switch. I definitely will have UCLA. And I do like North Carolina, so I'm not I'm not making it out like, oh, UCLA, 100% chance. I get it's a prediction. It's a pick. Mm-hmm. I like how UCLA is built. Jaime Jaquez, that, of course, is concerning. Do you know he, what the update I, on I him is? I saw a video of him. They were walking to the buses to fly out. He didn't look like he was laboring or anything. He looks so okay. So he, he looked okay. You know you're going to have to kill that man for him not to play, but he could be limited. So it's going to be it's going to be Kansas, UCLA. Arizona and Gonzaga for me. I think I'm going to match three of those with Kansas. Uh, I mean, goodness, we talk about only having two f- number one seeds in the final four when you're building your bracket. We're both going to see three of them get in. Go but on. I, but the one I'm going to change is I'm going to go with Purdue over UCLA. Okay, Purdue. I got to get your take on the Millers being back in college basketball and how, I mean, this is so crazy. Archie yeah. Miller, that's one thing. He's going to Rhode Island, so he could step it up there. But Sean Miller... I mean, with the FBI investigation and everything that has happened, unceremoniously punted out of Arizona, and now he's back at Xavier. Scares me what 
is going to be going on yeah. with Xavier once they get through any possible suspensions or anything. They wanted him back, though. He's going to bring buzz to that program. He can coach and he can recruit regardless of the cheating. Yeah, as a Butler fan, I don't like it because the Big East just got a whole lot tougher. Uh, in terms of the, the allegations and the, uh, the the class one violations, most of that's just tied to the university and the program down there at Arizona. Actually, what uh, Sean Miller's dealing with is some like coach control type stuff. So he might only get like a game or two type suspension like what Bruce Pearl did. I, I think he's got a similar charge against him to what Pearl did when he got that suspension to begin this past season. So I don't think it's actually going to impact the program at Xavier that much, as long as he just stays clean. It, it concerns me as an Ohio State fan is also what it concerns In-state, me as. absolutely. A In-state, big guy like that. I mean, the guy's won like 13 conference championships. He's been to Sweet 16s and Elite Eights, everything but the Final Four. And he has 30 win seasons left and right. So it's I think crazy. what it scares me with is some of the Cincinnati recruits. And the one I'm thinking of off the top of my head is there, there's a kid named like Rayvon Griffith. Rayvon Griffith. I think he's out good. of the Cincinnati area. That's a guy Taft, who, I think. yeah, I, that's a guy I think Sean Miller could get in and maybe win a recruiting battle for. Yeah. We know we got Bowen Hardman. He's a lesser recruit. He's a three-star guy coming out of Cincinnati, but there's big time talent down there every once in a while. That is for sure. And congrats to Dennis Gates stepping up from Cleveland state to the sec. He goes to Mizzou. Kevin Willard, big news from Seton Hall to Maryland, and it's probably going to take an Ohio we'll State assume, assistant, Tony yeah, Skin, with him. Yeah, Skin's probably going to be gone, but I do want to say we'll probably assume whenever St. Peter's does get out of this Seton Hall, that Shaheen Holloway is going to get that uh, Seton Hall job at some point. And you got to go. You got to go. You 100%. Gotta go for that one. Yes. Yeah, it's great what he did at St. Peter's. This is what you do. You get into a big conference or in the Big East. So a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on. Well, folks, we will be back at it again. To wrap up all the great action, I cannot believe it. Sweet 16. All right, Colin. Have a good one, man. You too, Tim. Can't wait to talk to you. Breaking down the final four. Mm, Final four. We'll see you next time on Mad About Hoops.